This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and which is the Supreme Resort. Slow that down. Anyway, each episode we will discuss and explore Let's each run resort again. ride by ride. <laughs> Welcome to the what? <laughs> land by land, park by park to determine which is better. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on this long elusive quest, which is better, Disneyland Disney World. All right, great. Uh, that was Jay- that was perfect. Thank that was you. Perfect. Thank uh, you. Joining me as always is Dan. Hi, I'm Dan, and I know how to modulate the speed of my voice, unlike certain people who <laughs> are on this show as well. Thank you very much. And Dan <laughs> hates the Beatles. I think Dan I might hate the, the Beatles? Beatles again. Yeah, I think it's happening again, but what? I'm not 100 percent sure. It's a podcast that that mystery it's, voice will come. Awful. We'll get nobody, to you in a minute. Yeah, um, nobody, nobody. So it's a podcast by Dan hates the Beatles, and I think that it should like evolve to like another band, like Erasure or something. Dan hates well, Erasure. Uh, no, Erasure? that's where you're going next after the Beatles. I think if we do, if it, I think the plan is that we are going to move forward with it and we're going to listen to the entirety of Ringo Starr's cuddle up. Nice. <laughs> uh, also, we have uh, Eric. Hi. Hi, Eric. As usual, I like the Beatles and, yep. um, and I have not character. listened to the entirety of Ringo Starr's work. <laughs> I think you're more power to you. You're a better person for it. And uh, we're very excited to welcome from Ears Up, not Eric from ears up but bev from ears up hi bev hi um i also like the beatles and why would anybody ever listen to ringo Starr's album (laughs) it's a fair question it is Uh, i think of my character's been established in all of your heads pretty well you can do the math that's fair yeah yeah (laughs) that Um, that tracks (laughs) yeah So thank you for being here, Bev. Um, we've wanted you on the show for a long time, and I'm glad you we were able to make you were able to make the time to be here. It is fortunately for you going to be a shorter episode than our usual, so you can awesome. get your Sunday back. <laughs> um, but I have a question. So you're, you're on ears up, um, yes. and the, my first question and only question. I don't have one of those questionnaires like uh, Jason had. Not that creative, I guess. Um, but the question is, what is the moment or series of moments that made you fall in love with the Disney theme parks? Oh, good question. Um, so my my first trip to Disneyland was when I was 13, I believe, 12 or 13. My mom took mm-hmm. me. It was my Christmas present. Like, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, so it was like a big thing. And it was just the two of us that went, and I remembered we only went for one day, and it was just – Amazing. And I didn't go again until I was probably 17 or 18. Um, so I really like at that age sort of recognized it for be to be as being something that like 
I don't want to say it was unattainable, but it was a really special treat. And then I, you know, live in the Bay Area. There's a lot of theme parks in close mm-hmm. vicinity to me. And I just always remembered, like, specifically with the the amusement park aspect, um, nothing really lived up to it. Nothing really was on par. Right. And that's that's where it all could, began. Could you pinpoint it? Like, when you're going to Great America or whatever, could you pinpoint why it wasn't the same? Oh, yeah, it was dirty. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Speaking of dirty, uh, what's your relationship with Jason? And how did you get to... That's, it's not dirty. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I'm just <laughs> thinking dirty people. I don't know. Anyway, so the the Brewing Network, Jason, Terrence, can you fill us in on that whole dynamic and how yes. it came to be? So um, I work with Jason, or worked, I know I'm no longer employed by the Brewing Network. Oh, no. Is that um, a good thing? Oh, yeah. I, okay. I, I was like... It's been real. Peace. <laughs> um, but uh, I met Jason through the Brewing Network and we worked together for several years and we're just friends outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I know Terrence from church. We met oh, okay. many, 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 many years ago, probably 15 or 20 years, almost 20 years ago. Um, we both served on the worship team at church mm-hmm. and that's just how our friendship so- became. It evolved. And then Terrence and Jason's relationship, because Ears Up was them. It was just going to be the two of them at first. Right. Well, yes. And so then Terrence and Jason, Terrence sort of became um, not involved with, but uh, a listener, I guess, of the Mm -hmm. Brewing Network. And he's local. So we all would, you know, we hung out. Jason was there. Terrence would come over, you know. Mutual friends make Mutual friends, I guess. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, the rest is history. And you guys are on episode like 350 or something, I think. I think it's 4,000. Yeah, right. <laughs> Feels that way. <laughs> it's funny. We've done, I think, I want to say 70 something. And we've been at it for this August will be three years. Wow. And it's amazing how fast. We don't have the listenership that you guys have. I think if we tried to sh- do a 100th episode, we might have four people. But, and, <laughs> You'd save and a that lot more money includes than us. Did. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so uh, what was the uh, budget bev? So, what is the origin of budget bev other than the obvious? Well, I think no, like sort of like what I said. Um, I recognized the value of Disneyland, but I also recognized that I wasn't able to go a lot when I was younger because we couldn't afford it. Um, and there mm-hmm. are ways, and I use this in all aspects of my life. All travel. I, I'm a traveler. I like traveling, but I also like right. to do it as efficiently and as inexpensively as possible. Um, and I just, I really enjoy planning things out and mm-hmm. um, finding the best value. And it's, it's actually a really dorky hobby. So, I get so it that's though. Where I mean, th- so much of the fun of vacation is the planning. I mean, that's yes. true for, for many people, right? And, well, yes. and so if you've and sort I'm, of gotten and, really and good at it. Not to toot my own horn, exactly. I'm, I'm good at it. So people, friends will my claim to fame is I found a um, flight and hotel for 10 days to Kauai for $600 a person. Holy moly. Flight and <laughs> this hotel. Was a while, it was uh, Obviously, this was a while ago. That's impossible right. to oh, find yeah. now because things have gotten more expensive. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so a group of six of us went and it ended up, it was like dirt cheap. So That's crazy. And it was That's, a resort. A it was like a really nice oceanside resort. It was you didn't have to like do a two-hour timeshare presentation or anything. <laughs> I did not. No, 
That's impressive. Um, yeah, well, so so that's kind of the reason we asked you to be on this particular episode. It, I wouldn't go so far as to say budget, but you've done a couple episodes where you were sort of gone to Disneyland on a budget. And this is sort of related to that in that we're going to explore two hotels, two resorts that are sort of equal on each coast and then kind of share with you why we think they're cool and how much they cost and let you decide which is better based on all of the, the data, right? But before okay. we do that, um, Dan and Eric, do you have any questions for Bev? Yeah, I was curious. Is it okay that we just said hi or should we have sent an email to say hi? hi? Uh, nobody has ever, not one Is time, right? emailed me to say hi. Actually, that's not true. Wow. One person. And she was Did actually, just say she's hi? like a friend of a friend. Yeah. So I think she was just being funny. But yeah, that's the only time I've ever gotten an email saying hi. But that's fine because um, I don't you need You get you. enough emails. Yeah. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> well. I'm just kidding. Well. I'm just kidding. No, it's good. And I mean, for if for listeners who aren't listening to the the main Ears Up podcast, that might be a little bit of an inside joke. And speaking of inside jokes. It is. Hey, Bev. What's up? My name is Asher, and I'm a cool kid who is also real. I don't know what you mean by nice inside joke. Nice to meet you. <laughs> he's Jason's nephew. Jason's I mean, nephew. I'm sure you've you met must him before. Have yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's Clearly. been absent from the show for a while for some oh. reason. Yeah, reasons. Yeah. All right. So, Bev, <laughs> um, never appear again. But okay, we're going to <laughs> we're going to get into this, and you know, hopefully, you have a good time and tell your friends because you know we I like listeners. Okay. Um. All right. So here's the premise: um, is that we have two resorts we're going to discuss. One is the Boardwalk Inn at uh, the Epcot Resort area at Disney World, and which is behind Epcot right? It's adjacent. You can walk to it. You can walk to Hollywood Studios. You can get on a, um, a Skyliner and go to the studios and get on a boat. There's just different transportation. A friendship, Jimmy. A friendship. Friend Thank you. I apologize. That's what they're called. Um, you you look confused already. We just started. Well, I, I just actually just had a question That's about that because I think I know exactly. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's near. <laughs> I'm going to associate it as its location to alcohol. But it's yeah. it's you would walk by it in order to get to like the Abracadabra. Is that it's, the area? The we're Abracadabra about? is yeah. in the boardwalk. Yes. Okay, so I walked right past this on my way. To the, the yeah, you, you were you were walking through the resort at the Abracadabra. Um, okay. And so yeah, the World Showcase International Gateway back there, um, and then Paradise Pier is similarly priced. It is adjacent to the second gate, like is boardwalk. You have, you know, ease of access with walking to Disneyland and DCA, and you can take the monorail to Disneyland, similar like you could take the Skyliner to Hollywood Studios. Just they're, they're equivalent in that way in proximity, right? Um, sure. And and each has <laughs> access to a great deal of shops and restaurants. Um, the Boardwalk, Beach Club, Yacht Club, Swan and Dolphin, there's shops, there's restaurants, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh Paradise Pier has downtown Disney, Disneyland Hotel. So, you know, similar, just kind of all around. So the question, the question is, is if you, if, if travel costs were equal, meaning we don't know where you're going to be, you specifically Bev are coming from Northern California, but a listener may be from New Jersey and whatever. So let's just take travel costs out of the equation, just based on the merits of this discussion, which would you choose? And along the way to help us discover that, we're going to allow you to give us points based on things that you think are merits for each. So 
if, and I believe uh, Paradise Pier was, when was the original hotel, the Pacific, what was it called? Oh, the Pan, Pan Pacific. Pan Pacific. When was that No, built? before that, it was the Emerald of Anaheim. It sure was. Yes, that was 1984. Okay, so that came first. So Eric will start. Um, and then uh, Boardwalk was 96. So if, when Eric's arguing his points, if you like something he says and you want to give it a point, you'll hear this sound. Pier. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to also make a literary joke here. That was amazing. If it was built in 1984, that certainly explains the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Reading. And if you like something about the boardwalk, then you'll hear this sound. Under the boardwalk. Pier. <laughs> okay. In and villas. So I just do I just jump in and say, oh, anytime. Po- Please point? do. Yeah, point. I yeah, like sure. that. Point, whatever. And by the way, something that was introduced by a, a previous guest. If you think that it's super cool, then you can say five points. You can say two points, a thousand points, whatever you want. We don't want to make it ar- uber arbitrary, but at the end of the day, all of this is arbitrary. So, <laughs> yeah, and as you um, know, because you listen to the show, it's, you know, just anything can get a point. It doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and I don't think she has. So we're going to do the <laughs> overview. The oh, got it. Thank I you. I think I've actually, uh, I have actually listened to one episode. That's, fine. that's very kind. Thank you. Um, and then soon to be two. <laughs> um, so we'll do the overview. She's not paying attention right now. It's fine. <laughs> we'll do an overview of the resort. Then we'll do uh, history and then details of the resort. And then we'll end on price and just kind of give we, what we did is we selected late August, Veterans Day weekend and Christmas. Just, you know, kind of various times of of travel, but also because those prices are available because they haven't released 2023 prices yet. So we can't really go into like February. So. Um, we'll we'll do that and then kind of give you an idea of a family of four, three day park hopper, three nights. This is what you'd pay to experience what we just regaled you with, right? Okay. Your attention, please. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Eric, being that you your hotel came first, why don't you get us started on Paradise Pier overview? It's weird to think that this one came first, but I suppose the building has been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, in On March 17th of 1982, Orange County uh, approved a permit to develop a 5.2-acre plot that was on the west side of West Street, which is now called Disneyland Drive, and uh, Catella Avenue. The plan was to build a uh, 16-story hotel with 500 rooms and 570 parking spaces. That was revised to a 15-story hotel because Disney said, nah, too high. Mm -hmm. Because famously, Disneyland really protected the ability to see any other hotels across that berm. Uh, Which is different now, of course. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, they went from what to what again? 
How many 16 stories? to 15 stories. So that's like it's like the 14 miles an hour in the parking lot thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. So the uh, the Tokyo Corporation, not Tokyo, Tokyo Corporation of Japan was the original owner of this hotel. Um, Tokyo Corporation started as the Musashi Electric Ra- Railway in 1908. That's right. I am going to get into the uh, the electric railway situation in Japan in the early 1900s. Nice. <laughs> um, On brand. And, oh, yes. Anyway, this this corporation was has been around for many, many years. Uh, they, over time, acquired a bunch of bus companies, a department store chain, hotels and motels. And the brand Emerald Hotels was one of the brands that they had in America. The other was the um, Pan Pacific. Uh, so they opened this up as the Emerald of Anaheim Hotel in 1984. Um, in 1989, Tokyo merged some subsidiaries and renamed the hotel the Pan Pacific. Um, and uh, for a, a few years, they continued on that way. Disney attempted to buy the hotel in 1991, very close to property. Understandable why they would want to get that kind of property. Uh, they were unsuccessful at that time. They couldn't arrive on a price. But in 1995, as Disney downgraded its plans for Westcott and uh, settled on DCA, <laughs> uh, they they purchased the hotel for $36 million. Ooh. They built walkways to connect the property with the Disneyland Hotel and renamed it the Disneyland Pacific Hotel. Kind of a cool logo. It was Disneyland oh, Pacific. That. And they had like palm trees with a Mickey yeah. shape built into them. Kind of. Kind of cool, I guess. Um, in, uh, in 1998, construction began on uh, Disney California Adventure. And they themed, they painted the exterior of the hotel to have that wave cornice that they have now. And they had a lot of yellow and blue colors on it because it would be clearly visible from the new park. Mm. Uh, they rethemed the interior of the hotel to have a 1920s beachside theme and uh november 1st 2000 they officially renamed the hotel disney's paradise pier hotel to coincide with the theme in um in dca DCA, which is no longer paradise pier it's now pixar pier right right this is true and we'll get to that eventually Mm -hmm. Um, eventually Eventually, <laughs> when the uh, when the when the hotel and the park opened up, they actually had a special guest entrance that was there from the park opening until September 6th, 2004. Uh, the guest entrance was on the south side of the Grand Californian Hotel. If you headed out the front doors of Pixar Pier, you did have to cross a street. There was a crosswalk. The current <laughs> one that you have where you can walk into uh, into the Grand Californian now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you would instead head around the south side of the building and you could use your room key to access this extra entrance into the park where you would come out between Corndog Castle and what was at the time Souvenir 66. Yeah, and it's still that that whole area of the park is still 2001. It, we discovered when we were that last time that there's this like indoor courtyard food thing, Bev, on that side of the park and you go into the bathrooms. It is 100 percent 2001. It's insane. Where is they haven't been where touched. is this exactly like n- I, now Corndog Castle is that like still called Corndog Castle is there a Corndog Castle that I have somehow missed 
Yeah, it's across from the jumping jellyfish and the uh, the zephyr. It's, oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm talking know, about the side of the park about. with Goofy's um, murder Goofy's bus. Sky School. Yeah, because it's yeah. yeah, it's it's the souvenir stand. <laughs> it's Corn Dog Castle, and then. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. If you go into that area past Goofy's, this is what Jimmy's talking about, where the, you can you can actually uh, use where, the like the... in 2001. Oh, right. It's really <laughs> nothing's neat. been updated. No, not at all. Interesting. Yeah, not a not a paint. Nothing. Hey, Bev, have you stayed at Paradise Pier in any of its iterations? Yeah. Yes. As Paradise Pier or as prior Paradise to? Pier. I like fairly it. recently. This it was this year, in fact. Yeah, us too. Or was it? When did we stay there? Was it in October? Uh, yeah, it was last yeah, October. last year. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I stayed there for a week a couple of years ago for a conference, and yeah, I, I I didn't I definitely didn't mind it. Although things are a little different right now without its kitchens being opened and all of that. I can't but, believe still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. We'll get into that too. Do you, Jimmy? Do you want me to get into the history of the theme, or should I should I hang on to California Beach Resorts for? Yeah, why don't you hang on for the history, and I'll okay. just give you a little okay. overview for Bev on the boardwalk. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so on Crescent Lake, across from the Otten Beach Club, the Boardwalk Inn is another of Disney's deluxe resorts. The complex is a detailed replica of an early 20th century East Coast beach boardwalk. Facades of hotels, diners, and shops create an inviting and exciting waterfront skyline. Think HBO's Boardwalk Empire minus the icky criminal element. In reality, the Boardwalk Inn and villas comprise a single integrated structure behind the facades. Restaurants and shops occupy the boardwalk level, while accommodations rise to six stories above. The inn and villas share a pool featuring an old-fashioned amusement park theme, or used to. Uh, There are also two quiet pools for adults. The Boardwalk Inn's 378 deluxe rooms measure 371 square feet each. Most contain two queen-size beds and hardwood headboards, an upholstered daybed, a cherry desk and chair, a mini fridge, a coffee maker, and ceiling fan. Decor includes yellow and white striped wallpaper, green carpet, and blue and gray curtains. Closet space exceeds that of rooms in other deluxe resorts, and most have balconies. That is the overview of Disney's Boardwalk. You are going to address the creepy clown, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, but okay. it's there. There. So, just moment in time. The, what I'm going to talk about is mostly the origin of the of the resort. It is now changing. They're kind of changing everything, but that's true of all of Disney stuff, right? Everything we do is you know captured in that moment. But um, yeah, they're changing, and definitely things. happening happening at Paradise Pier soon as well. That's probably. right. That's as right. long as there's money left, the, I'm sorry, imagination left in the world. <laughs> So, so far, that's the overview, Bab. Do you have anything to say? No, I'm actually like kind of fascinated by both, by both what you said. Oh, it gets by, better. By what both of you said. So I'm kind of just a little enthralled right now. Good. But I'm well, also I'm trying we'll to see. figure out like the, how to make the point system work in my brain. Like you have, neither one of you have given me anything that I think is point worthy. Sorry. And typically the overview is just Burn. that. It's just an overview. It's not really okay, meant to Okay, because I was like, I don't think that there's anything for me to point yeah. here. Oh, just no, wait. No. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, just let's just go. Wait. We won't be let's hearing my sound that much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best one. Well, there you go. You get one. Uh anyway, well where Jimmy, where where shall we go from here? Uh let's go to the history of the Paradise Pier Resort. Okay. Well, I kind of accidentally already did. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, did you, did, did you want to get into the the, the beach history? Because I'm going to get into yeah. the history of Atlantic City and boardwalks and all that stuff. So yeah, more interesting than the history of this hotel that basically looks like any hotel anywhere ever um, is the history of California beach resorts. The Disney Disney says that the Paradise Pier Hotel is themed to a 1920s seaside resort aesthetic. Uh, the 1920s were an interesting time in California, and I learned a lot about California history for this. California um, beach history at that. California beach history, yes. Uh, now, Southern California in particular, uh, there, are, there are plenty of beach resorts and plenty of amusement parks that have existed over the years. Um, some of these... You know, some of these these resorts have, you know, have kind of cultivated this aesthetic around them. There's the, the you know, the Coronado Resort in in San Diego. There's, uh, you know, Catalina Island and all of these famous destinations. But really, in the 20s, California was all about oil. Uh, the coastline of California was apparently covered in oil derricks in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I, the pictures are stunning. If you, if you really look into it, please, by all means, listeners do a search for 1920s, um, California oil and even places like Huntington beach were covered in oil derricks, absolutely Hmm. everywhere. And they were part of the aesthetic. These resorts, these seaside resorts were placed in nice locations and you had your large hotel and you had your beachfront area. Um, and part of these, you can find brochures from the time period that, that have these postcard images of look at the great resort. Here's the big hotel. Here are all the people on the beach with their, with their, you know, lounges and their umbrellas. And look at this next one. You can go and look at, it, just outside of Long Beach, you can look at a giant collection of oil derricks. That this was this was tourism at the time because wow. it was such a big deal in California in the twenties. Um, in nine, during the nineteen twenties, California reached seventy seven million barrels of oil per year. Wow! Uh, so this was a big part. This was you know obviously way post gold rush. This was the next big rush to get to California was to get into oil. Like a gold Texas yeah. tea. Yeah. Gold. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, it and it's huge. And at the same time, Hollywood is coming up in in the LA area. Uh so VLA. there are some VLA area the LA area. I didn't say VLA, Jimmy. Come on. That's just <laughs> how on. they talk in Colorado, Jimmy. That's they right. <laughs> we just put the in front of everything. It's fine. <laughs> now let's talk about the Dana Point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go through a few a few regions here and it a few regions and beaches and you'll you'll understand a little bit more about this later because all of these regions that I'm going to to highlight here are part of the are, are like suites in the hotel are named after these regions and this is what I find really interesting um, because the hotel is filled with all of this this beach nostalgia. Um, the regions that they're naming these rooms after, these rooms that fetch like $2,000 a night. Stop oh trying to make a fetch happen. Gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> the most, like our, the, the amount of money you could spend to stay in a Pirates of the Caribbean room in Disneyland Hotel, these, these are the regions that we're naming things after. So there's Dana Point. 
Uh, Sidney Woodruff, the man responsible for land development in Hollywood, bought a large parcel of land here in the 20s. Uh, he started to develop the area, put in a lot of houses, stock market crash, all of it ended. This place laid stagnant until the 50s when Hobie Alter opened California's first surf, surf shop. So really, Dana Point, Hobie. not big until the 60s. Hobie, yes. Yeah. Yes. Surfers have always had cool names. Mm-hmm. Huntington Beach. The city grew in the 1920s when oil was discovered along the coastline. Um, as I mentioned, I mean, you can picture Huntington Beach. I, I, most of us have seen, have at least seen pictures of the, the iconic pier and the, the development around the area. Imagine the pier, but just surrounded by oil derricks. Um, the last oil strike was in 1953. And after that, when the oil was running out, the city's fire department had to start clearing out those oil derricks to make room for more housing. Because in the 50s, it, the population was exploding in the area. Surfing had started in that area in the 20s when uh, Duke Kahanamoku uh, introduced surfing to California. Um, But it really, it didn't take on huge until again in 1953, uh, Huntington Beach got its first surf shop. So again, mid 50s is when this area kind of took off as we know it today. Uh, Newport Beach was considered swamp and overflow land in the mid 1800s. Surveys said no one should live here. Oh, dear. Uh, it, was in- <laughs> right. it was incorporated in 1906. Um, then uh, at in 1905, uh, the year previous, the Balboa Pavilion was built as the end of the red line from San Francisco. Um a lot of the islands in the area were purchased by early Hollywood stars like James Cagney and John Wayne, and it's now, now home to a bunch of multi-million dollar mansions. Laguna Beach uh, was, re- was named by the region's postmaster in 1904. Uh, a lot of the coves in the area were used in early films all the way through the 30s. Uh, 1926, the Pacific Coast Highway reached the area and opened it up to more visitors. Before that, it was considered very remote. Uh, the, as the area became more touristy in 1927, they incorporated the area as a city because really at that time they were kind of an artist community. There were, there were painters that did landscapes. There were writers that went there because it was remote and they didn't like all these tourists coming in on the new highway. And this is Laguna um, Beach? This was Laguna Beach, yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they're still, I mean, they have that, isn't the, the arts community? The, yeah, big arts community. And I want to oh, yeah. say that the, what is it where they have like the living portraits at the festival of the masters yeah the master have have you heard of that bev no not at all they recreate famous art with living people like they put it like a tableau like uh, you know um in the show arrested development they did i was gonna say (laughs) yeah with a job or no is it i forget who it was but it was buster and buster that's right and yeah. his dad and, yeah. and complete with the cod piece and the bodysuit anyway so they're basically <laughs> they reveal this thing and it's a living people recreating still art it's really cool oh that's anyway. neat makes sense and, and yeah. this this pattern is interesting because california has uh historically had a series of like in quotes gold rushes there's the original Mm -hmm. one oil i didn't know about makes perfect sense though and then surfing and surf culture and surf music and like basically it started out with actual oil then it was texas tea liquid gold and then like pop culture is is the next gold Mm -hmm. rush and i never put that together 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I saw a quote that I didn't write down, so I can't quote it verbatim or remember who said it. But somebody said that California has had this basically this sustained series of growth punctuated by additional rushes. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of it. Like people keep coming in and then they keep finding the next new thing. And that's what brings people in. And that was Hulhauser. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, well I, I'm wrapping up here. Let's see. Uh, Malibu in the late 1800s, ranch owners fought to keep railroads out of the area and even hired guards to evict trespassers on their property. Uh, one of the main landowner landowners was a woman named May Ringe. R-I-N-D-G-E, Ringe, hard to say, but uh, notable because California, when it was incorporated, was the first state to allow women to own land. Oh, that's cool. She owned a lot of this area, and she started recruiting Hollywood stars to build homes in the area to block Union Pacific from running railways through the area. Uh, uh, She built a a business called Malibu Potteries, where they mined the clay in the area to make designer tiles that you can still see in a lot of Hollywood mansions. Finally, uh, the state of California won court cases to get the Pacific coast highway through the area. And a lot of rich people moved in there and um, there they stay. There you go. Yeah. It's interesting that this 1920s aesthetic is, is so pervasive or or is at least looked at in this hotel because there's a whole lot going on in the twenties that really did not match with that, including um, in Manhattan Beach, uh, what was in at that time in the twenties? African Americans were not allowed on beaches. Most of the beaches, mm. most of the areas, are white only beaches. Um, I'm bringing this up just because it's an interesting story and it has nothing to do with this hotel. But I, I thought this was fascinating. Manhattan the the owner of the Manhattan Beach area, um, named George Peck, in 1912 said. I dislike racial exclusion and he stipulated that at least two city blocks in the area should be owned by, by black landowners. So he sold a chunk of this area to Charles and Willa Bruce. They established the first California black beach resort in the twenties. The KKK took root in the area. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. And in 1924, the city condemned most of the land and then evicted all the landowners and took it over to make a city park. Right. And it still exists and it's worth millions of dollars and it was gifted to them. And the white man basically just took it away. And this is not Huntington Beach because that would track with what's No, that does track for Huntington Beach. You're right. Yeah. But (laughs) in 2021, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy got ahead of me there. In 2021. I got excited. I know stuff. Gavin. Gavin Newsom <laughs> returned the beach to the descendants of the original owners, Charles and Willa Bruce, and named the area Bruce's Beach. That's um, cool. But yeah, that's that's in. I mean, kind of crazy to think of that that particular time where you see all these pictures of people lounging on chairs, and then you realize, oh well, they're all white. <laughs> yeah. So so um, it sounds like Paradise Pier. Just to tie all that together is. And I don't, I'm sorry if you were going to do this, but I just jumped on it. Um, Go it, for it. I, I think you got there. It kind of ties all of that d- beach resort hotel stuff together in a similar way that California Adventure at least intends to tie all of California together. It's like it compartmentalizes like 
that Beach part culture. of California. Yeah, Pe- it it definitely yeah. does, and it, you see a lot of the a lot of the decor in the hotel is based on classic that that time period of amusement parks like Santa Monica, Pleasure Pier, Ocean Park Pier that became Pacific Ocean Park, um, Jungle Land USA, Neptune Beach, all of these these defunct attractions that were along the coastline that went along with these resort communities. Um, it, it really is trying to, it, trying to pull that into the present day and leave out all the oil stuff and <laughs> the racism, hopefully. Well, so and that's like kind of what, what Disney does though, right? They, they sort of like, think about Epcot. It's all the, the picturesque, uh, sort of imagined what this is, what Europe looks like, right? It's, it's bent kind of, to their will. Right. Exactly. Just like why Encanto can be in Frontierland. It's like, eh, it's a Mexican restaurant. It's close enough. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Aladdin hangs out in Morocco, that kind of thing. But anyway. So I guess the the, the point to take away that at least I'm taking away from it is that like it's not trying to be a beach hotel. It's like a sizzle reel of beach culture. Yes. Yeah. That's what they're going for. And really they they're making the best of it. This was a this was a generic airport hotel. Mm-hmm. Like it, this could be a hotel anywhere. That little kind of overhang that they have for the suites on the top floor, that's kind of interesting, but otherwise this is just a block of concrete. Mm-hmm. And Disney said, "Well, we own it now because we we want to own it because we don't want to have people in our park see somebody else's hotel." And ultimately, I think they did okay with the theming. It's not it's not terrible. The best description I've ever heard regarding that hotel is it's a Marriott with Mickey lamps. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> and it could very well be. Um, so, Eric, can I uh, share the history of the boardwalk? Sure. So from from one coast to the other, when you think about Atlantic City, your mind pictures a tourist destination, right? A place where residents of New York, New Jersey, and other nearby states love to spend a weekend or parts of summer vacation. They hang out for a few days at this timeless uh, oceanfront vacation spot, uh, relishing time on the beach. They have some fun at the casinos, although that's getting a little bit less in recent years. Uh, What you may not know is that the Atlantic City, the Atlantic City, is home to the original boardwalk. Back in the 19th century, the sleepy little city on the beach wanted to attract tourists. City planners understood the appeal of the water. They also recognized that the town didn't offer much else, though. Uh, They embarked on a new strategy, a way to entice guests to visit frequently. The key to their plan was to build over the beach. Now, I don't mean pave paradise and put up a parking lot. (laughs) Uh, Instead, they added a second level to the beach, so to speak. On the level above the gorgeous sand, Atlantic City constructed new infrastructure. It was capable of handling shops, restaurants, uh, ones that guests could walk by on their way to or from the beach. The boardwalk also solved the largest problem with building around a beach, and that is, of course, sand. And as we know, it's annoying and it gets everywhere. Of course, it turns, it turns you into a Sith, and it turns you into a Sith, and it gets uh, it gets in other places, crevices of sorts. So after spending time at the beach, you'll find sand in your clothes, your bags, and less comfortable places. Uh, with a new public space that controlled that controlled the amount of sand, Atlantic City quickly grew in a reputation as a great place to spend time. A reputation that it's maintained for almost 150 years. 
For decades now, Atlantic City has been strongly associated with American relaxation. It's a place to unwind that ties together families from several generations at a place where they can make memories that will last for a lifetime, right? Does that sound familiar? Um, well, uh, during the early 1900s, the Walt Disney World uh, Company followed an ambitious plan, one that mirrored Las Vegas to an extent. Disney wanted to copy some of the most famous destinations, bringing versions of them to Orlando, Florida. After the early success of the Disney Vacation Club, or DVC, park planners plotted a second DVC property with an attached entertainment complex. They settled on the area at the back of Epcot's World Showcase. Their ambitious, surprising decision was to create their own version of Atlantic City's boardwalk. Uh, with this bold choice, Disney could now add new reasons for tourists to visit Walt Disney World. Also, they would hurt a major competitor. Yes, the company deems any other non-Disney tourist spot as existential threats. Any dollar you spend at a competing vacation destination is revenue Disney won't gain. By constructing a boardwalk, Disney would provide something similar to Atlantic City, plus all the extras of a Walt Disney World vacation. The impressive part of Disney's decision is that they knew how easy it was to implement. The original Atlantic City boardwalk was one mile long and stood one foot off the ground. Now, parts have grown over time, but the first iteration was modest. Disney could do something similar without going overboard, claiming that their version was a tribute to the original boardwalk rather than the modern one, right? It's a tribute, kind of like what we were talking about before with the hotel in the beaches. Um, it was an impressive development project that promised significant interest from theme park tourists, people who had previously spent time or some time or at least expressed interest in Atlantic Beach and other similar beachfront boardwalks. The back of Disney's, Walt, uh, Disney's World Showcase at Epcot included a beautiful place where Disney could construct waterfront hotels. They settled on a pair of resorts. On one side of the man-made Crescent Lake, Disney would add the Yacht and Beach Club properties. On the other side, they'd add a boardwalk, a place to entice guests to spend even more money. This complex would have a resort, some shops, and some restaurants. It would also have an explicit design style. Disney built their boardwalk as a tribute to the original Atlantic City boardwalk, but they also added a second style. It was similar in nature, uh, thereby avoiding the potential for a muddled concept. Specifically, it was Coney Island, the beloved place where New Yorkers would flock in the summer. By marrying these two kinds of boardwalks, Disney would have their own unique spin on the concept. Ultimately, Imagineers constructed a quarter-mile-long boardwalk complex attached to the hotel we now know as Disney's Boardwalk Resort. To keep the boardwalk authentic, they hired a design firm out of New York City that had expertise in the field. Architect Robert A. M. Stern actually did double duty working on the boardwalk and the beach club. For the actual boardwalk, Disney used a herringbone pattern to populate 1,300 feet worth of pavement. It's 35 feet wide, much smaller than the current sizes of boardwalks that inspired this version. They honored Coney Island as much as they could, though, particularly with regards to Luna Park, which we'll get into. It was the first amusement park at Coney Island, which was in turn inspired by Atlantic City's boardwalk. The main goal with Disney's boardwalk was to build a respectful version of these two classic styles of beachfront tourism. In combination with boardwalk, Disney added a resort that was also the first of its kind, Disney's Boardwalk Villas. It was the second DVC property, the first being Old Key West. 
but it's also hosted regular resort guests at Boardwalk Inn. This dual occupancy has since become the standard for DVC participants. To create a plausible representation of other famous boardwalks, Imagineers infused this region with special touches. Some of them are even authentic for the era. The miniature carousel that you see in the hotel lobby dates back to the 1920s, the glory days of the Northeastern boardwalks. Wait, the actual the actual model is yeah. I'll get, I, I have a lot more detail uh, from that, but I'm almost done with the uh, the history. Oh, okay. Sorry. In in constructing their boardwalk, <laughs> Disney wanted to honor the history of theme park tourism while also hurting the competition. They succeeded beyond their wildest dreams as park attendance has spiked since the debut of this part of Walt Disney World. Meanwhile, Atlantic City has withered during the 21st century. Its form of entertainment sees woefully outdated. Somehow, Disney does Atlantic City better than Atlantic City does. Take that. Dang. New Jersey. <laughs> Mic drop. So that's the <laughs> history of uh, the Boardwalk Inn and its inspiration. And the rest of it, I have all of the design elements and details of the resort and all the thought kind of going into it and the story, which I can cover as little or as much as you'd like. But Eric, it's your turn. Tell but Eric doesn't have any details on backstory <laughs> or. <laughs> well, seems to I'm trying to tie it together again. I think that the, the one of the main differences, con- compare and contrast, difference and similarity is that um, I just said a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense. Sure. Um, what else is new? The, <laughs> the boardwalk feels like it's. Um, it's also a tribute, but it's a more, much more pointed and focused tribute because they can do stuff like that because of the size. Like mm-hmm. they could do a tribute to basically every region, every specific region in the country in hotel form, and still have plenty more, plenty more swampland to build over. Um, and I'll, I don't know if this is coming, but the question on my mind, as someone who is also hearing this for the first time, mm-hmm. is. If it's supposed to be Coney Island, why is there so little carny stuff? And I'm mainly asking this because I feel like Paradise Pier might need a little bit of help defending itself. Well, so it's a combination of Atlantic City Boardwalk and Coney Island. So you have the 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 clown slide that kind of is a tribute to that. You've got carny games on the boardwalk. Games, yeah, you've got okay, entertainers, okay. that kind of thing. So it's a it's a hybrid between those two concepts, right? But is there a casino? There's not a casino. No. But you can play games that are almost impossible to win, just oh. like Vegas. So it's a lot like gambling. Got it. That's right. <laughs> and I have and there's a detail of every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. There's, any, there, any thoughts from you at this point, Bev? <laughs> um, I would. I don't understand your question. Like, am I, I am I leaning one way or the other? That was, that was the vaguest of questions. That, that is <laughs> it was. Have you heard what, anything what that you feel? Do you have? Yeah. Have you heard anything so far that you feel is uh, better than the other? That's sweet. And well, it- um, yes, yes. More, more so. Just uh, not so much what you're saying. Well, what you're saying, but also taking from my own memory of being at both. You know, I, I stayed mm-hmm. in one, but I've I've traveled to and from the park from both of them and i am airing on the side of disney world 
Yeah, I, I think when we, I, I, again, I have a lot of detail that I like to share because I think it's fascinating, but, um, it's the difference between uh, to Eric's point, it's a, a concrete box that Disney kind of slapped a Mickey Mouse on versus right. a fully imagined thing. So well, that's what I wanted and to it was almost, talk about. It's almost like the transition from what I recall, there was alcohol, but from what I recall, <laughs> um, exiting Epcot, it was almost like a seamless transition. I didn't have to press a button and cross a street and like leave the magic. Like it was mm-hmm. just. I went from one cool place to another cool place as to, as opposed to having to show the security guard who I, I could take right. <laughs> my room yeah. key to get, to be allowed into the other hotel that I'm not staying in right. to then yeah. go into the theme park. Well, it, it's, it's sort of the, it's the whole idea of the bubble, right? And you don't have to get in a car. You don't have to do anything or think of anything. You just, you just go to your point from one themed experience to another. And that's why I love this part of, Disney World in general, every time I book a trip for people with concierge, I always lead them to this resort, the Beach Club, Yacht Club, Boardwalk, or Swan and Dolphin, because it's the best proximity to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. You could literally walk to either one of them, get on the Skyliner, get on a Friendship, whatever. Um, and it's just the most immersive for me because it's it's this whole that whole New England seaside thing just is just gorgeous it in is. my sort of mind's fantasy of what that looks like. And and I just think it effectively executes it really well. That's just that whole. If you can get rid of Swan and Dolphin because they're eyesores, but um, you know, yes, if you can try to blend those 1992. in. Right, <laughs> it was actually I, developed by a guy who worked for Marriott, ironically, because they own it now. Go figure. I'm not going to argue that Paradise Pier is not a box, but I think given the nature of this episode we might be doing it a little bit of disservice by just dismissing it as it's ugly. It's a box. They, because they did do things with it. Um, yeah. And I'm, I, I'm not trying to push in a certain direction. I'm just trying to, trying to even the playing field a little bit. Um, it's because they could have very easily just said, okay, let's slap a name on it and not do anything to it. And I guess in fairness, to the structure of the building, there are, I mean, it's kind of a weird shaped building. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. trying to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I visually mean, different. It was it was fine. I thought the room was really nice. I was really happy to mm-hmm. stay there. Like I actually I, I stayed at the. Um, where did I stay when we went to Disney World? Um, it has like Port the little mermaid did, room. I Port know. Orleans. Oh, Art of, oh, Art of Animation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say Absolutely the paradise pier rooms are nicer mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Then, For sure. it, that, yeah. that's a different comparison right sure and we spent a lot of time trying to decide how to compare because we were going to do like all stars versus good neighbors or whatever but this is where we landed on this particular right. episode but fun well, and fact i think sorry, i think also um, part of the like, <laughs> i'm just gonna continue because i was continuing <laughs> i think part of the conversation too needs to and this is i think this is where i'm trying to get us towards is we have to keep in mind that you're not going to get a Disney World experience at Disneyland, but, kind well, of wait. no matter what. Well, because you can't because they don't have the space. Yeah. Or right. It's not well, possible. But but the bubble, I think I experienced the bubble at Paradise Pier when we stayed there. It's like this feels the most like Disney World. I could use the my room key like, to pay yeah. for stuff. I can, And so I get it. Uh, what I was going to tell you, Bev, is um, that the Pop Century Resort, which is across the lake, that Hourglass Lake, it was meant to be from 1900 to 2000. It was meant to be a whole century, 
but they ran out of money in 2001 for obvious reasons. So they never finished it, but they did what 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s or whatever on the one side. Mm -hmm. And they had built the structure for the other half of the century. And they built one tower and that's the one with the little mermaid rooms. All other rooms on the property are suites, but that was, that was built with the other resort and it just didn't end up being staying at pop century in those early days and looking at the weird ghost I, town. Not only can I imagine, I, I saw it. I did it. Yeah. I did too. I did. Really? I, it, yeah. Because that's you, you stayed in my room that one night. That's right. Oh, for my wedding. Yes. Oh, by the way, I yes. got married there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very odd. And I just remember looking over there and thinking like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. it, it really felt like a ghost town. It was fairly new at the time. But yeah. anyway, that is fun fact for Bev. So can I kind of give you a, a, a audio walking tour of the boardwalk? Sure. And you, you can stop do me. Footsteps? I can do footsteps. Oh, fun. <laughs> so. Dude. dude. You're just gonna you're just gonna like step in front of me. In oh, line. I thought you said you didn't have anything. He's like, oh, I, was, I have, I have, I, have him, I pulled it up. <laughs> I just searched and, it. And just to be clear, I'm, I do love the boardwalk. I've stayed there before with Jimmy. I think it's wonderful. I also highly recommend it. Um, I just have a feeling I, I can kind of see where this conversation is going, and that's it. I'm just trying to just trying to help, just trying to make the show more interesting. Great. Well, thank you for that. I, I mean, I, I can tell you about the current, the current hotel. Do you need footsteps? And no, there's, there's not that much walking. There's a lot of standing, a lot of waiting for elevators. There I'm is ready. a lot of waiting for elevators. Yes, <laughs> a classic problem at this resort, and they've only kind of fixed it, kind of. Um, because you you stayed there recently, so you've seen the the weird like in intelligent in quotes elevator system is that what it's called i i, I don't know but like but yes I, where you like press you have to like punch in like your floor number or it, it was yeah, like you, all it was yeah i yeah, needed a tutorial on how to get to my room <laughs> yes. yeah they have that at paradise pier and they have it at the coronado resort in um in walt disney world and I, I'm kind of delighted by it, but mostly because I like when people run and jump into the elevator, like, hang on, hang on, hold the door. And they jump in and there are no buttons. And, there's, and they, they're not they're getting anywhere. Wherever you are. Yeah. 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 And that's why what I, I like it. What I love about it, too, I'm sure you're going to have more details, but just since we're talking about things that we love about it, um, I love these things that, like, if everyone understood what it was supposed to be, it would work fine. Perfectly. But, it would work, and in fact, it would be super efficient. But they don't give you very like the the instructions no, no. are not really what they should be. Oh yeah, I know. But it's it's just this thing that it's like it's the only thing that makes it not work is that it's just not something that we're used to. Otherwise, it is so efficient and it is so great. But because we're not used to it, it's the least efficient thing. Oh yeah, and I well, love it. <laughs> And at Paradise Pier, it's so weird because you have that extra, you have the glass elevator that's across the lobby. So sometimes it'll tell you, go to whatever shaft that one's Yes. Named. Yeah. So we, like, we actually got sent to the glass one and I was like, where the hell are we? <laughs> <laughs> where am I Which supposed to go it? here? Yes. That's so, the dream though, getting the glass Abby, elevator. And then Abby was like, mom, can we ride in the glass elevator? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. 
Um, also interesting regarding the elevators, uh, you can actually go to a 13th floor. How many <gasps> hotels nice. would say that? Because yes. it was built by a Japanese company and they don't have the same superstitions. That's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Is it worthy? But- oh. Sure. Sure. First point of the oh. game. All right. I mean, yeah, because I, I actually, again, to talk about Abby, I was just talking to her about this. I was like, hotels don't have a 13th floor. And she was like, yes, they do. And I was like, no, <laughs> the buttons go 12, 14. And she's like, right, but there's still a 13th floor. They just don't. And so I'm that's like, fake. That's I'm like, I mean, yeah. technically, that's true. I'm like, come on, you're 10. Just just play into this. <laughs> All right, I'm so, going to take this point. Here. I love it. Eric, have we explained how the elevators work or are you about to? Uh, I, we kind of got to it. Yeah, there is a touchpad outside of the elevators in, in a central location. And it's a it's just a screen and it basically asks you what floor you're going to. You press <laughs> which floor you're going to. It tells you which elevator shaft to stand in front of. And then you get in and it will go to that floor. The idea is to batch people. The ele- they, they don't have very many elevators there. And then with the addition of this glass elevator that that is across the lobby. Basically, people it's a huge choke point for a tall hotel mm-hmm. with a lot of people that are all kind of coming and going at the same time. Early in the morning, trying to get to the parks, late at night, coming back from the fireworks. There were complaints of people spending 45 minutes waiting to get to their room. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know that this helped a ton. The one time I stayed there, I really wasn't. I was there f- for a conference, like I said, so I wasn't really going to the parks at normal times. So I was coming and going at at different times. So, Bev, what what was your your take on on that experience? Um, I did not have any delays either. Um, but we we got there. I was actually just going there to like check my luggage because I knew that we were super early, but they get gave us room. So I, you know, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. So hmm. there was nobody standing around waiting going for up. an elevator at eight o'clock in the morning. And then mm-hmm. I think we, you know, came home at like 1130. So it was ah, still okay. pretty late. So I don't, I don't think we really ever had a bottleneck except when we were leaving. I do remember there being like a thing when we were leaving, but it was because there was just too many people in the elevator. So I was like, it's fine. I'll wait for the next one. Mm. But that ended mm-hmm. up being like, I should have just wedged myself in there <laughs> in that glass yeah. box of emotion. Yeah. That's <laughs> in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. It, it's, it's just not enough elevators ultimately. And again, I didn't have a problem there, but I was going down pretty early and coming back late at night as well at the Coronado. They have, I think eight different elevator shafts. That's so the new it, tower. Yeah, at the Grandestino Tower. That one worked out pretty well and never really had to wait. Um, but you still did get the the satisfaction of having somebody run in and not know what they were doing because there are no buttons. And they're like, oh, like, crap. You, you, ha- you have to get off and then tell it what floor you want to go to. And it'll, yeah, it it's a thing. You'll get used to it. And that might be the most interesting thing at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if I can I just say, like, I feel like there might be be more things that were cool that I just didn't get to experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. There are, there are some fun things. Um, they were like the pool's closed. You can take a, a golf cart to the Disneyland, uh, the Disneyland hotel. And I was like, Oh, that's um, cool. I'm, I'm that fine. Is cool. I'm fine. Thanks. Their though. pools are great. 
Yeah. They've, they've got multiple pools and I like yeah, all of do. them. Talked about that uh, on that episode. Oh, listen back to the Disneyland yeah. hotel V contemporary. I think you did it versus it was it versus contemporary or grand Floridian. It was contemporary. Yeah. Contemporary. Oh, cause it was grand Cal. Yeah. I, grand I, California I versus grand Floridian. Yeah. Anyway, we listened to our show. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I wasn't on back then. That's true. <laughs> That's my, like it didn't even count. Right. So are we, uh, let's I, I, I'm assuming we're, per, we're playing, we're playing this pretending that the pool is currently open at Paradise Pier. Yeah. It at, is. at this point, because the kitchens are also it's closed not. right now and that's mm. not necessarily fair to the hotel. It's a major dissatisfier at this point to guests. I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Told, there's dining on Catella or at other hotels. <laughs> or you can DoorDash. <laughs> right. Well, well by, Disney by Springs the way, is though, right there. By, by the way, though, Disney, sorry. I half mile away. I don't know that this is point worthy. In fact, I would argue that it probably shouldn't be. There is, there's, a, there's a ton of stuff close that you can DoorDash, and mm-hmm. there's a very, very, very good independently owned Italian restaurant within walking distance down the street on Catella. Um, What's it it's called? It's in man? a, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pasta Mar- maris or something like that i'll look it up uh r- really good like legit good and probably one of the higher rated italian places in orange county on yelp we talking like Cessful. olive garden quality or not quite as good as olive garden <laughs> um <laughs> few things are <laughs> no it's uh i'll have the name in a little bit but you can DoorDash from a ton of different places or take a short walk to a ton of different places but again that's more like the area than the hotel mm-hmm. i don't know how, I, don't, I don't know how you want to deal with that if you want to deal with it well yeah and that, that that's something i was going to say in relation to the the area it's it's one of those rare situations where you can be inside the Disney bubble if you want to be. It's not the perfect mm-hmm. Disney bubble because it, to get to Disneyland Hotel, if you're going to take the long way through downtown Disney, you do have to walk a good distance around. I mean, you can see traffic. You can see cars. You could also walk across the street and go to the Grand Californian Hotel and get in through the parks that way. And that, that both both directions are fine, but... If you're not somebody who wants to be immersed in Disney constantly, you're also right on the outside. It, you can you can go for a run around the property. You can go for a run mm, through Anaheim. It. You can, uh, yeah, we did. Um, you can uh, go to a liquor store. You can buy cigarettes somewhere nearby. You can go to <laughs> restaurants that aren't owned by Dis- Disney. And, and it's all and many of them close. are very good. And, oh, and yeah, the area's yeah. gotten like actually it's continues to get better with better restaurants and everything. Um, well, it kind of has to be because if you're not good and top notch, the real estate is right. way too expensive to have a half-assed place, you know? Well, I, I, I'm just saying that because there was a time when it was nothing but IHOP and Denny's and Coco's. Right, and, right. Godfather's right. Pizza. And, right. you know, it's Hansa funny. House. It's funny we kind of got on this because I will say that we did attempt to DoorDash one night while we were in Florida when we were at Disney world and it was, Mm. it took an hour and 15 minutes for the food to show up. Like it was, you really like if you're at least where we were staying, I will say. Um, Well, and it's it's also kind of landing at a place here where it's like almost appealing to people who don't want to be in the bubble is what it sounds like we're spinning to versus being in the bubble. Because I mean, there were so many times where we ate at the, 
we we ate at the hotel the, the, court, the pizza yeah. hotel the, the, yeah the, i had that damn pizza three times because it was there <laughs> puffy, and it was easy <laughs> you could walk to it and that's a pretty big food court and it yeah it, there's generally no weight at that place because it's so huge but again it's the same food over and over again. over and over and over mm-hmm. yeah, kind yeah. Of, yeah i also had the chicken parm three times Nice. Well, and I, I, I think one of the reasons I keep belaboring this a little bit is I, I don't think people who are uh, Disney World based and Eric, I think you've kind of experienced this recently, are really familiar with how be, being able to go in and outside of the bubble is a feature and not a flaw. Like we Disneylanders, like we like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, yeah, and experiencing that that walk through the area, I, now that I've done it, I'm like, okay, I see why people do this. I see why you walk and you have your your comfortable zone of this is how far from the parks I'm willing to stay in a hotel because this is how far I want to walk at the mm-hmm. end of the night, um, how far I want to go in the morning. That that makes it, it makes a big difference for for the vacationer, if you're not used to Walt Disney World, is understanding that yeah. experience. Yeah. Can we talk about the hotels at all? Is that all right? <laughs> uh, wow. Before before we move on, Mari's Pizza and Pasta. It's Mari's, uh, Mari's Pizza and Don't Pasta. be afraid of the area. The food is delicious. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's great. a sales point. Yeah, come to the, come for, for the pasta. Stay for Stay the, for the gun stabbings. violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh man! Uh, All right. Well, Mari's. no stabbings here in the lobby of the Paradise Pier Hotel. That was a great transition. The lobby <laughs> has a statue of Goofy in swim attire with a surfboard. Uh, he's um, standing underneath a nice uh, octagonal dome above him. There's a nice glass elevator in there. It's a it, it's a a vaguely modern sort of space. Uh, there's also a a large conference center, three thirty thousand square feet. There's a seven thousand two hundred fifty square foot ballroom behind the main registration desk. There's a large mural depicting seaside amusement parks. Uh, we've talked about elevators. The rooms um, are there are now four hundred eighty ish rooms. Um, I've seen a few different numbers, twenty five of which are suites. There's the standard view of. That includes uh, views of Disneyland Drive or parking lots. There's the premium view where you can see the park. Uh, you can basically see uh, a pretty decent view, depending on how high up you are of uh, DCA. There are one-bedroom suites, two-bedroom suites, the signature suites. And here we're back to those regions. Um, the signature suites are three, two, and one-bedroom suites that are named after Dana Point, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach, and Malibu. And then there's the club level, also currently not open right now, where it's a, it, a standard or premium view that gets you access to uh, the Beachcomber Club on the second floor, uh, if it were open right now, which it isn't. But um, club level is a whole different thing at Disney Parks, and that's worth a different discussion some other day, I know. Um, yeah, it, it it's interesting having experienced it for one night. <laughs> Mm. once <laughs> wear a shiny polo is what we've heard so right. yeah, that's what we determined yes uh the amenities in the hotel there are um let's see there are multiple multiple restaurants there at ideal times there's the surfside lounge in the lobby i really liked this place it's not too noisy for being a lobby bar good beer selection some cocktails sandwiches things like that um there's the 
the pool bar called the sand bar, more sandwiches, um, cocktails and beer, um, also closed, but, uh, they, they, they have updated these menus fairly recently. We'll see what happens in the future. And then there's the PCH grill, which is the character dining. Um, you're familiar with character dining and how that goes. Mm-hmm. That's also closed, <laughs> but, uh, let's see the rooftop pool deck, uh, is the is the pool still closed? Was it was it closed when you were there, Bev? You said it was closed when I was there. Yes. Okay, but it looked awesome. I feel like it was been... open when when we were there. It was open in October, right? I think so. I think it's it was been coming and going. I don't yeah. remember yeah. when. I know they're working on it currently. Yeah, and that it, that might be part of the update, the general update. Oh, right. I can talk yeah. about later too. Um, what's nice about the the pool deck? It's got a big slide that was originally called the California Streamin. That's cute. Mm. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you could also watch the fireworks from Disneyland from that um, from that balcony. They would pipe oh. in the music, and you could watch the fireworks. And from many of about the that. from many of the rooms, you can clearly see World of Color and oh. hear it. Um, in fact, I remember reading reports when World of Color was being developed. People were staying at the hotel saying, hey, they're doing something really awesome over there. Um, well, to be fair, nice. you see kind of that there is a World of Color. I don't think you can actually see, which is still impressive, but I don't think you can see like the projections necessarily. Yeah, probably the not because you're on the backside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also a fun kids area where the TV that plays Disney movies all day is a sand castle. And um, all the kids can sit in um, Adirondack style uh, rocking chairs. Funsies. Yep. And uh, that's the hotel. There are no, awesome. no backstories. Um, mm-hmm. No, no uh, crazy imagineering things, but <laughs> it's, it's a place where you can stay. And I remember Excellent. too seeing people discuss online that the that pool deck is kind of a hidden. It's like a cheat code to see the fireworks if you would like to. Yeah, you can't really see the castle well from there, but right. I mean, if they're piping in the music and you see the fireworks going up, that's that's plenty good. Some people just love fireworks. And, yeah. All right. So, in the interest of time and twenty pages of fun facts, <laughs> I'm going to take this over would be for a, a short one. I, well, I it's got to be. I don't. I don't need to go see Top Gun. I don't. I actually don't. Well, but I. I think we'll <laughs> we'll be boring, Bev. She'll be bored, Bev, instead of budget, Bev. <laughs> um, all right. So. I'm going to take you through the the hotel. Okay, we walk in and they have something called the Ballyhoo Banner. On the wall to the left-hand side, just before entering the lobby itself, is a huge colorful banner under glass. It features a well-dressed man holding a small horse in his hand. And on, on, and on the side, the banner proclaims, seeing is believing, let's go see it, let's go, let's all go. The small sign near it states, wonderful showcloth banner. The showcloth banner, or ballyhoo, is a holdover from the late 19th century when seasonal venues uh, whose facades architecture was a little more with a, than a collapsible wall of elaborately painted canvas, the ballyhoo enticed passerby to partake in a particular attraction, in this case, a jewel-sized living horse, on canvas with gold and silver leaf. These types of banners were most common for sideshows at a circus. Miniature horses, although none of none so tiny they could fit into the palm of a hand, were first seen in the United States in the late 1800s. However, 
since Ballyhoo is a sensationalized promotion, I'm sure the banner perhaps exaggerated the smallness, although today there are perfectly proportioned miniature horses only 17 inches tall. Which, by the way, are service animals, legally. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah not, a few like, classes. Not right. every single one, but yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, huh. Below that is a cabinet with four illustrated scenes from Atlantic City. The Steel Pier Diving Horse, Lucy the Elephant Building, sorry, uh, the first Miss America and a typical boardwalk scene with a store offering Fatima cigarettes popular in the late 1800s through the 1940s. And it was a blend of exotic Turkish tobacco. And of course, Lipschitz 44 cigars, Excuse popular me? five cents. <laughs> Lipschitz 44 cigars, popular five cents cigars produced in Philadelphia that had opened another factory in New Jersey in 1911. We're not even in the lobby yet, people. Oh, man. <laughs> how many pages do you have on the on the on the chairs let's stop stop the, the talking about chairs. how boring it's gonna be and just be boring <laughs> i'm good I'm, I'm fine i love this stuff this is not boring in any way to me um uh, okay so i will abbreviate Bev, some i think of they're worried about you how, how are you doing oh no i i love it i'm fine okay okay, okay. all right great See? Our uh, show is good, okay? Stop being so in <laughs> not no, I'm not talking to you. I'm not saying this to you. To to, to Eric and Jimmy. We have a I, good show. Just believe in it and do it. <laughs> I just want to point out that I'm winning so far. Yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> For now. <laughs> so, the, in the lobby there's a miniature carousel. There's a guy named Marcus Charles Lyons from 1872 to 1949. He was a master carver, particularly famed for his work on carousel horses and their carousels. He worked at many of the finest and most prestigious carousel companies and finally opened his own company. He was an expert horseman and crafted a few of his own. His knowledge of horse musculature, even their facial veins, translated into his creating legendary figures that are still revived, revered today. His style, known as the more flamboyant Coney Island style of carousels, dominated the Coney Island area with at least 10 of his carousels in residence during the 1920s. In the 1920s, he created three grand machines known as the Supreme Series. There is a small flag flying from the top of this miniature proclaiming MC Lyons Supreme Carousel. There is a known photo, unfortunately not displayed by Disney, of Harry Lyons, MC's oldest son, who was only 16 years old when Lyons formed his own company in 1909 with the same miniature model carousel that's in the lobby. MC Lyons would take the salesman's example to the conventions of the National Association of Amusement Parks, or NAAP, formed in February of 1920. This group is now known as the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, or IAPA. Disney purchased this model direct from Lyon's granddaughter at auction in 1995. It had been hidden from general public view for nearly 80 years. This sales tool featured a 44 4-inch tall horses that were each unique. No two horses were similar. The horses even moved up and down when the machine was turned on. Lyon's never intended that the model would be displayed publicly. When the Walt Disney Company purchased it in 1995 and spent more than a year restoring the wood, mechanisms, flaking paint, and other elements that were in disrepair. The original paint colors and decorations were researched using still existing full-size lions, carousel, and horses as partial reference. Brass was replated. 
Gold leaf applied and miniature leather stirrup straps were attached. Even the tiny pearl-headed pins that were to represent light bulbs were replaced. The Imagineers scaled the speed of the carousel to match that of the King Arthur carousel located at Disneyland Park in California. As the final playful touch, a hidden Mickey was added to two of the horses. You can find one of those horses on the outer circle, about two horses up from the green-blue chariot. Approximately every 20 minutes or so, the carousel springs to life playing a medley of Disney instrumental songs. That's pretty cool. That's that the model is so great. It is really cool. Um, so between the two restrooms down the hall near the Belleville, Bellevue Lounge is an interesting artifact that looks like a face of an elaborate stick. The small sign reads, all manner of sculptural elements decorated the turn of the century boardwalk carousel to provide sumptuous ornament for the usual feast of the amusement business. Carved by M.C. Lyons, the figurine originally surrounded mirrored panels and was accompanied by dozens of similar figures. Cast from a rep, cast from a circa 1910 original, hand-painted and gold-lettered. The other thing I like about this hotel is that when you look at it from the outside, it looks like a, a collection of of buildings that were just kind of added to each other. And it was a deliberate design aesthetic that the Imagineers designed into the thing. Like think about, uh, you know, the the Coney Islands, the uh, Atlantic cities. You know, they built this hotel and then it was popular, and so they added to it. They so you added this hallway down here with more rooms, and it feels like it's been added to. Disney did that with the original design. It's actually all one structure, but it is designed to look like this hotel kept being added onto. So when you walk down the lobby past the bar, there's this hallway that's kind of a little bit off kilter. It's a little off center to make it feel like it was built after the fact. You know what I mean? But it was all part of the original plan. So am I remembering correctly that some of the buildings from a different side just like are straight up painted differently? Like, yeah, it, it looks like a yeah. bunch of different buildings, but it's all yeah. one building to a point where it blends into the landscape so much that Bev didn't even realize she was in a hotel technically when she was at the boardwalk. It's technically part of the hotel complex, right? I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah, it's just downstairs from, well, the, yeah, Abracadabar is downstairs from the Bellevue Lounge pretty much. Yeah. So the Abracadabar, Bev, we talked about it on a previous episode, but, but you know, Disney's got a story for everything. So the story with that oh God. is... Oh God. That sorry, listeners already heard this. But <laughs> no, the story no, with this that's, that's not why is, is that um, so that the bar didn't open until like 2007, Abracadabar, right? And the story is that around the turn of the century, 1900s, at this boardwalk that was totally in existence at that time, according to the Disney legend, uh, it was a, it was all about magicians. Like magicians would hang out there. It was like a speakeasy for magicians. And then there was this like evil hat salesman guy who there was some kind of kerfuffle. Anyway, he basically put a curse on this thing and it shuttered and it was acting as like a loading dock until they discovered it in 2007. And there are images on the walls. If you've seen those, the, there are images on the walls and the hat makers up behind the bar. At 13 minutes after the top of the hour, the pictures change. Oh. And yeah, it's really cool. Anyway, it's yeah, people fun. people disappear and right. in the in like attraction posters. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. <clears throat> Is it cool without I'm, I'm, the elaborate backstory? 
I like it without uh, the leprechaun. Honestly, yeah, me too. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it I is. like it better as just a, a spooky thing that happens. Um, so, all right. So the registration desk. Above the registration desk, there are three carousel rounding boards. These would be found on the outside of a carousel and traditionally feature pastoral scenes. These three paintings feature Disney Imagineers' interpretations of three castles from left to right, Disneyland Resort, Disneyland Paris, and Walt Disney World Resort as if they existed in a real world. Okay. Wait, I'm so what? Yeah, wait, what? They, <laughs> wait, they they do. Well, no, like like as if they weren't fairy tale. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, as I, if they existed in a real idea. world, like you know, there's not the Disney castle, but that castle in the real world, like Nuschwanstein or whatever. Got it. Okay. Okay. Got we it. were all, all just right. like, what? This is all. Yeah. This is probably too. all way too visual for a podcast. But Google is, the is Disneyland Paris like, imaginary. <laughs> Why are you doubting the content so much? Because <laughs> it's like crickets around here. It's it's interesting. Cause every because every okay, twenty good. minutes you both stop to say like our show is so boring. Let's just, <laughs> just do the show. I think you're both starstruck. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Don't be. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like this. We're all part of the same network. We're all family here. <laughs> just all right. Well, what I'm going to say about stuff. the the nanny chairs. Be okay. Normal. Nanny chairs. <laughs> Placed on, yeah, like any of this is normal. Um, Placed on (laughs) either side of the fireplace are the scary nanny chairs that were originally found in the 19th century European carousels. They were intended for adults to rest upon their, uh, while their children rode the moving animals. From this concept developed the more traditional chariot benches. It would have been inappropriate for female nannies to even ride side saddle on the carousel horse. These reproductions of the cast uh, circa 1889 originals hand painted and highlighted with gold leaf in a moment of cleverness. The two Imagineers involved in the reproductions printed their names on the back of each chair, Todd and Paul. Those chairs are terrifying. Yes, they are. Are they? Mm -hmm. They're they're scary doll children chairs. Ah! Yeah. Yeah, you should. Uh, I, I probably should have sent you a link to these images so you could see I can uh, it. what I'm. Yeah, Google what? the boardwalk. Yeah, nanny chairs boardwalk. Nanny chairs. Um, then Lucy the elephant above the fireplace. Again, we're still in the lobby. Is a statue of an unusual elephant oh in a black God. and white. Oh yeah. my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I guess some context would help. Horrifying. Oh, yep. okay. Uh, two listener, <laughs> Google if you dare. I'm on a list yeah. now. Oh, <laughs> my. I feel like I'm yeah. cursed. Yeah, maybe you should keep Googling. Google Lucy the Elephant. Okay, hold on. Boardwalk. Uh, Lucy, Lucy the, the Elephant, Elephant Hotel. What a weird... Boardwalk. That, even even uh, that image is kind of creepy. Hotel. Above the fireplace... <laughs> Is Ow. a statue Ooh. of an unusual elephant and a black and white photo is framed nearby. This is one of the earliest examples of uh, programmatic oh, architecture, God. which is commonly mm. known today as California crazy. There are several examples at Disney's Hollywood Studios, including the Dark Room on Hollywood Boulevard and Gertie the Dinosaur at Echo Lake. This is a straight up meth. This is the, the, there's a pic. Okay, so there's so imagine. Um, are you seeing this, Bev? Like a like some weird like I want to say like this like a some puppet movie from a country that like doesn't have a space program, and like 
but make it a nightmare. And that's this thing. And you could stay in it. Ah. Okay, wait. So. No. <laughs> so I see that it's over. It's, it's on a. Giant. It's on a mantle. Mm-hmm. But it's the above the fireplace. Above mantle, but you yeah. can yeah. also stay Statue. in it. No, 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 no. This when, looks like. I mean, it the, was a real thing. Oh no, no, because right. I, my Google image pictures has. Yeah, I think where you can stay and. Right. One hundred. But this is no. a. It's an <laughs> so, example of California crazy is what they call it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Or just I crazy. So let me give you the the context for it. Um, James Lafferty owned a number of sandy lots in the South Atlantic City area, today is known as uh, Margate, and he needed to do something to attract attention and property buyers to the area. The 65-foot-high elephant was constructed in 1881 at a reported cost of $25,000. Worth every penny. Uh, (laughs) Although he claimed it was $38,000. To protect his idea of an animal-shaped structure... Lafferty applied for and received a patent from the U.S. government for exclusive rights to set to 17 years to make, use, or sell animal-shaped buildings. Lucy the <laughs> Elephant is one of three such structures designed and built by Lafferty. It is the only one still intact and survived the ravages of Hurricane Sandy. Lucy's nearest relative was the Light of Asia, a 40-foot wooden elephant built on South Cape May. Lucy's other relative, the 150-foot-high Elephantine Colossus, was built at Coney Island, New York, purely as an amusement attraction in 1885. So in 1887, to try to recoup after some financial downturns, Lafferty sold his South Atlantic City holdings, including Lucy, to Anton Gertzen. It was Gertzen's wife, Sophia, who named the elephant Lucy, despite the fact that it had tusks, making it male. And the reason for the name is apparently lost to the ages. Lucy was a business office, a hotel, and even a speakeasy right before Prohibition. She was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1976. So both Atlantic City and Coney Island had elephant-shaped structures. And that's this hotel borrows from the designs of those places. So I just, again, listener, take what what you're imagining and, like, apply the absence of whimsy to it. That's what this is. And there's a picture I'm looking at that has the the it's it it's at the Boardwalk Hotel. It's by a fire what I think is a fireplace, and it has the two nanny chairs on either side of the fireplace, and then on top of it this elephant thing. It looks like an altar to a demon, and <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah. Um. So. This yeah, is the same time period when H.H. H. Holmes built a murder castle in Chicago. So that's right. You know, um, so there's there's a there's a thing called a flip flap railway, which is a roller coaster that functions that I'm not going to get into the detail on um, the Bellevue Lounge. This is a, a bar off the lobby in the decades before television and other electronic entertainment. People on vacation would read books, listen to the radio and play board games. The Bellevue Lounge is themed just this sort of uh, secluded parlor location. Overstuffed chairs, wicker furniture, and a collection of small tables and traveling trunks served as makeshift tables are comfortably arranged in style of a typical game room, including a small bar. Atlantic City was the inspiration for the popular board game Monopoly, with many of the actual locations used in the game, including the boardwalk, 
which is the most expensive piece on property. The Marvin Gardens, actually misspelling, it was Marvin Gardens with an E instead of an I, uh, that lasted for decades. And the Reading Railroad, among many other references to real places. So, of course, the Monopoly board game is available in the lounge. One of the game boards displayed is Eddie Cantor's Tell It to the Judge, which is Parker Brothers 1936. Cantor was a popular entertainer of the time. The player had to move along the squares on the board to get from his home to the clubhouse without getting pulled over by a traffic cop or fighting tickets in court. And there are By the way, Flip Flap Railway, uh, I'm looking at a picture. It's uh, inverted uh, roller coaster inversion with 1920s technology. So... There you go. Still, yeah. Oh, still oh, terrifying. Yeah. God, there's so much I want to talk about. This is going to take freaking ever. It pulled 12 G's. No shoulder harnesses or anything. It was just <laughs> a lap bar and it did a loop. It pulled 12 G's. Like, give you an idea. Astronauts get like five to six. That, that ride saw many avomitus. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it, cr- uh, it was it crushed grandma's brain. <laughs> Coney flip flap produced twelve G's enough to knock writers out. To put this in comparison, oh Epcot's God. mission mission space produces two and a half G's for forty five seconds. Even the high flying aerobatic uh, aerobatics of the Blue Angels only produces nine to eleven maximum. <laughs> so this hotel is like it's a tribute to terror. To d- yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Um, all it's right, a great lobby. See. I'm saying still it. in the lobby. Oh my! Gosh. I still don't have a. I still don't have a, a point yet, but that's all right. Um, yeah, there's a lot more to detail which I just love about these these places. But I want to uh, go back to the pool. Okay, and it's based on Luna Park, which I mentioned before. Luna Park pool area with a nine, 190,000 gallon pool is themed to resemble the carnival type atmosphere of one of the most popular of Coney Island's amusement parks. Luna Park in New York lasted from 1903 to 1944 and was built and operated by Frederick Thompson and Elmer Skip Dundee, who had created an amazing, successful interactive ride for the 1901 Pan America expedition called A Trip to the Moon that was moved on to Coney Island's Steeplechase Park for the 1902 season. Since Luna is Latin for moon, as well as the name of the green and white cigar-shaped airship in the attraction, some feel it has inspired the name of the park to reinforce the connection in the minds of the public. However, Dundee's sister was named Luna as well. Thompson and Dundee built their park on the site for the first amusement enterprise at Coney Island, Sea Lion Park, and outfitted it with a multitude of towers and spires lit at night by 122,000 electric lights when electricity was still a novelty. At the resort, the operator, the proprietor of the On the Boardwalk Thimbles and Threads shop is F. Thompson, and inside the resort's main lobby is Dundee's Sundries, serving the boardwalk since 1902. Isn't that fun? Nice yeah, that actually, there. that hissed. I'm looking again at the imagery for that, yeah. and it makes it make sense. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just a bunch of weird imagineers going like, I don't know, let's make it ugly. It's like it's ugly for a reason. I mean, it's That's beautiful. Right. <laughs> So, and then Leaping Horse Libations, which is the bar at Luna Park in the pool area, William Doc Carver invented the idea of horse driving exhibitions after crossing over a bridge that particularly or partially collapsed and his horse died into the, dived into the river. Sonora Webster joined the show in 1924 and married Carver's partner. 
The show was a popular entertainment at Atlantic City's Steel Pier with Sonora plunging 40 feet off a diving board on the back of a horse to land in a tank of water. Steel Pier is a 1,000-foot-long amusement venue located just across the boardwalk. An accident in 1931 resulted in Sonora having detached retinas in both eyes, but this she continued movie. to perform. Was it? Yeah. Oh, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but she continued to perform for many years, even though she was blind. The story was developed in a 1991 Disney live action movie, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. The bar by the, la- by the Luna Par- Park pool is structured like a carousel at the Coney Island Park, surrounded with pictures of the heads of the carousel horses. However, the name of the bar and large picture of a diving horse is an allusion to Sonora, as is the vice presidential suite at the resort. The presidential suite is named Steeplechase Suite in reference to Steeplechase Park, the Coney Island amusement park next to Luna Park. The top of the ESPN building on the boardwalk has those distinctive loops to be reminiscent of the ones on the horse diving tank. I could keep going. Even the ESPN I, club. I, wow. Hearing about this and look. Looking at all of this, yeah, I really I was gonna jokingly say that they should have some like scary, like dangerous carny rides or activities, but they need they actually need something that at least appears dangerous. Like yeah, like I th- that's literally the only thing missing. I think. Yep. Um, okay, just a few more few more things that I think are awesome. You can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, why are there elephants at the pool? One of the biggest attractions at Coney Island's Luna Park was its private herd of elephants, which roamed freely. Elephant rides were popular for the guests as well. However, cleaning an elephant is a long, arduous task, so it was quickly discovered that taking the elephants out, of the, out to the Atlantic Ocean was not only easier, but it was free publicity for the park. On the Keister Coaster, which we're going to get to on the... <laughs> On the Keister coaster, one of the colorful posters states, trained elephants swishing, swirling, the most entertaining and most delightful. Bring the children to see the elephant family. The Keister coaster. This real America. This is all real. This is all real. This is why Atlantic I love. City has That's, a rich history of grifting. Yeah. It's insanity. All right. So the sign proclaims Keister coaster. This is the water slide at the, at the, at the main pool. Joyride, Coaster Thrills, The Greatest Ride on the Boardwalk, Keister Coaster is meant to be reminiscent of the many wooden roller coasters at Coney Island, where you come out of a giant scary clown face. Um, A major difference is that the rider doesn't use a vehicle to travel the 200-foot length, but slides down on his butt. The word Keister refers to a person's rear end, and his first known use of the word was in 1931. It comes from German word Kiest, which means the rump or buttocks in German slang. The frightening massive clown head at the end of the drop is also which a makes Coney sense Island now. Tradition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Coney Island was filled with clowns, especially the scary white-faced ones. In fact, a clown was an important part of the blowhole theater act at Steeplechase Park. That gets a point just for the name. Sweet. Keister coaster. No, blowhole something or oh, other. Blowhole. Here. Um so this this huge clown face is not just here to reference clowns at Coney Island, but a particular clown. One of the popular midway games was the clown water gun balloon game, where a patron would shoot water into the open mouth of a head of a clown. You have all seen this, to build up pressure to blow up a balloon pop 
So it's meant to be water coming out of his mouth and kind of inverted from the carnival game. You get the point. He's getting revenge. Uh, <laughs> that water's uh, coming back. That's, that's a right. fun water slide. <laughs> it is. Well, it was. Um, it was. Okay, some other fun <laughs> facts. There's the Boardwalk Bakery. You walked by it to get drunk at Abracadabar. Um, the, the fictional proprietor is Hugh G. Crozant, which saying the name like out loud, it croissant? sounds like huge croissant. Yes. <laughs> and like huge Jackman. That's right. <laughs> um, huge Ackman. There's a, there's a, a fun fact that's not there anymore. The seaside suites, but Atlantic city is where saltwater taffy was created. Right. It was. And so this little used to be a candy shop, had saltwater taffy, whatever. But what I thought was interesting, unrelated to the show, um, it was in 1883 when a clever businessman named David Bradley sold some taffy that had a hint of saltwater when his shop was flooded by ocean water. <laughs> so it was accidental. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Hey, the people are sick was, after eating this. I thought it was called that because you could only make the taffy at sea level. No, also not true because that's very popular in Salt Lake City. They make a lot of saltwater taffy from the Great Salt Lake, but it mostly mm. uh, fresh water now. That's how they um, got the name Salt Lake City. All the taffy. It's named after the taffy. <laughs> got so, it. So um, the Seashore Suite isn't there anymore, but it used to be a, a, a Miss America theme because Miss America was famously done in Atlantic City until like 2007 when it moved to Vegas. Um, okay. So riding chairs, riding chairs first appeared on the boardwalk in the late 1800s at first to transport invalids, elderly guests, or those who were re recuperating in the brisk salt air. They soon became the most fashionable means of traveling the boardwalk and sightseeing with nearly 3000 chairs crowding the promenade in the 1920s. The tradition has been a little updated and rented with rented Surrey bikes on Disney's boardwalk, although actual rolling chairs have been reintroduced to Atlantic City's boardwalk. I really thought you were going to say, uh, e like, EVs replace them. No. I wish. EVs. <laughs> so, uh, we're tied. Um, the Flying Fish Cafe. Did you, see, did you see the Flying Fish Cafe, Bev, when you were there? Do you remember this? Um, I don't. I don't remember that. So the inspiration for the name Flying Fish Cafe most likely came from a classic Coney Island roller coaster called the Flying Turns. One of the ride vehicles on that coaster was called the Flying Fish. The interior of the restaurant is a colorful homage to Coney Island. The back of the booths resemble the curving lifts and drops of a roller coaster. On the back wall is a huge depiction of a backlit Ferris wheel. Fish do, in fact, fly overhead in pairs on a version of the of the famous parachute ride that was used uh, was a decades long favorite at Steeplechase Park at Coney. In fact, one of the first images on the wall mural is of people riding the eight wooden horses on a steel track at Steeplechase. On the cloud painted ceiling, the stars change color every few minutes. That's Flying Fish Cafe. This is like a grab bag of roller coaster tycoon terms that i totally didn't think were real yeah. um jelly rolls you ready for this one i like this one a lot jelly roll uh was named after ferdinand joseph lamoth also known as jelly roll morton oh. his first published composition was jelly roll blues an accomplished jazz piano player a genre known for its improvisation morton had what was described as a bumptious persona Certainly, this is suitable for inspiration for a dueling pianos bar, which is what this is, uh, depending upon improv and a similar personality. I love me a good uh, 
dueling piano bar point. Hey, who doesn't? So this is Ooh. oh nice, sweet. Under the Here. And above this, I didn't know this, Eric. I don't know if you remember this, but above Jelly Rolls is a huge room known as the attic. Yeah, which is I, I don't. The, the official description is perfect for a romantic turn of the century cocktail party or reception. But I don't know. Is it open to the public? No, you have to book it. And that's all I really know about it. I haven't seen any pictures of it anywhere, but it's it, it's kind of like a a ballroom or something like that um, or reception space. Um. All right. So almost done. I'm, I just wanted to add that the, these Google image searches have gotten me into just pictures of hot dogs now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to order a hot dog. Going to order a hot dog? Several. Um, okay. So you have... Update. <laughs> the water, or the Wildwood Landing. This is where you play carny games. I'm not going to go through all the games, but I learned that. Um, so, Wildwood Landing is the home to the Midway Games. The term Midway for an area of games and other entertainments came from the world's Columbian expedition of 1893. The games also became popular at county fairs, carnivals, and other entertainment venues, although the games were not always quite honest and fair. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, another thing that I love is they have something called the Atlantic Dance Hall. Do you remember seeing that? Oh, no. I, I wrapped up my evening at the Atlantic Dance Hall. Oh, good. Okay. Me, Samuel, so, and Jeremy. Jeremy. This is something I didn't <laughs> know. Amazing. They had something called dance marathons. So dance marathons were hugely popular in the 1920s and 30s, even though they were not so much about dancing, but more like human endurance contests. Couples danced nonstop for hundreds of hours, oh, sometimes God. as long as a month, competing for prize money and having a roof over their heads and being fed three square meals a day. During the, the Great Depression, go ahead. One of the better episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, by the way. Oh, is that right? Dance yeah. competition? Yes. So during the Great Depression, that was a better situation than most Americans even thought, even though more, um, more often than not, the contest was rigged. For a quarter... For a quarter, people could come and sit and watch the contestants literally dragging each other around the dance floor, eating yeah. while dancing, <laughs> writing letters while dancing, and more. Since they had so, what? So it really is. It, it really is like dance, Rummy. Like, yeah. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. I, I want that. Since, I want that. Had, I want to see they that had right to remain, now. They had to remain in constant motion around the clock. That that was the contest. Oh man, that sounds. <sighs> Awful. At and that then they time, invented television. <laughs> at that time, many churches still considered dancing of unmarried couples as sinful. Oh yeah. <laughs> and this is my pregnant. favorite fact. That's right. Like, my favorite fact and my last one. <laughs> oh, that that was the. This is, no, that was pretty. This is it. Pretty no, I'm about to finish. No, no. So, oh, oh, okay. crest o the wave. Okay. So now, if you look at the boardwalk from the beach club or the yacht club, you can see, or I guess you can see it from anywhere, but um, the name and the rolling waves on top of the building, this is on top of the boardwalk, have puzzled Disney fans for years since it has no connection to an actual location or a reference to the classic boardwalk. Actually, it was quite simple. Standing outside at the yacht and beach club and looking across the boardwalk, the oversized swan and dolphin, or the swans on the swan resort, seem to be floating in the air. And so it was hoped that the waves would make it seem like it was floating on waves instead. Oh, gosh. 
Huh. It was it was a visual indicator, so it looks like the the swans are on the They're, water. Right. I'll have to look from that angle. I don't know that I've I know. paid attention. From it's that also yeah. kind of a secret, like, yeah, this thing sucks, right? Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Let's, try to, let's try to put some lipstick let's on this pig. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we've gone through the hotels, and I'm sorry, you know, famously, look at this. Um, we're going to be fast to finish. We're fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, good. So, Eric, um, if you wanted to stay at, you know, based on everything you heard, Bev, all the details and whatever. And it um, sounds like the you, rooms are about similar. Yeah. That there's 379 rooms at the boardwalk and that's not including the vacation club. That's a separate right. thing. I just, I didn't include it, but, but I mean like your standard um, room, that yeah, the closets kind of like are one bigger. To one. Yeah. Basically. Closets are big. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. They're all pretty similar in size. Um, yeah. Well, Jimmy, do you have a list of the, the different types? Cause I mean, really. Well, there's the, there's a garden view, water view, standard view, which means parking lot, right? Yeah, and then there's club yeah. level and that kind of thing. What we did, Bev, is we looked at a standard view, and then he did a theme park view. I did a water view because okay. there's technically no theme park view at the boardwalk. Yeah, and it's a family of four, um, all you know, all children over three, so they all are considered adults. They're all adults. What are their names? Um, what are their names? What are they doing for a living? Why are Asher, they there to celebrate? Michaela. Ooh. Um, Minor oh, yeah, you said you Richard were going to do this. And uh, <laughs> Ricardo. <laughs> and nice. Ricky. So for a family of four, three nights, three days in these properties. We looked at late August, Veterans Day weekend, and Christmas. Okay? So, Eric, you first in a standard view at the Paradise Pier. Mid-August, standard room. The room rate itself is $1,274.13. With the three-day park hopper, that comes to a total of twenty-eight sixty-one and thirty-three cents for the family of four. Similar Richard story. Ricardo will be very happy. I didn't. I didn't itemize. I didn't itemize the uh, tickets, and I just did a package on Concierge Disney's travel agent site. Uh, but similar thing, late August in the boardwalk in a standard view, three thousand six hundred and ten dollars. That's with tickets. Park hopper, three day park hopper, and three nights in the hotel. Okay, well then I'll just report the full price for the rest. Okay, thank you. We'll, we'll match. We're matchies. Um, what about your theme park view? Theme park view, the total would be thirty one thirty five and eleven cents. Still, the water view at the boardwalk would be four thousand eighty eight. Just wait. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So um, okay. Veterans Day weekend. That's the eleventh through the fourteenth. Standard room is uh, three thousand thirty nine dollars and seventeen cents. Four thousand one hundred ninety five dollars. One hundred ninety five. Four thousand one ninety five. Okay. Park wow. view. Three thousand four hundred forty two dollars and eighty two cents. Water view. Four thousand seven hundred and sixty seven dollars. Eric, can you repeat that again? The fourth three thousand what? Three thousand four hundred forty-two. Christmas weekend. Yeesh. Christmas weekend. It's gonna be standard ugly. view. <laughs> yeah, standard view. Um, standard view is three thousand three hundred three dollars. Five thousand one hundred and thirty-eight dollars. <laughs> oh God! Three but it's nights. got an elephant. <laughs> it does, well, it's got everything <laughs> I just you heard about for the last forty-five minutes. Get what you so, pay for. <laughs> yeah. Pre- <laughs> Premium view, park view, three thousand six hundred ninety-six. 
Jimmy, just to add a little action to this, how much Mm -hmm. would someone have to pay you to go to the lobby and explain all this stuff to them? Ooh, I'd do it for free. I'd pay that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) For the same Christmas weekend water view, $5,838. That's three nights, people. That's more. (laughs) That is several thousand dollars more than what I paid for six. Right. For six days. Yeah. Six nights. Yeah. Um, That's, this is all an interesting point because as Jimmy mentioned earlier, this isn't a, Paradise Pier is not a, a not a value resort. It's not. It's right. not a moderate resort. No. No. It's a deluxe resort. It is, yeah. As is the boardwalk. So um, all that to say is I don't really know where to land with this. I don't know how to land this plane because it's like clearly Bev, it, knowing what you know and, and the boardwalk is a better hotel experience, is it worth it? <sighs> that's, a hard, that's a hard question because – it depends upon what you want from your hotel because in in, in my mind, in my world, it's yeah. a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it it is adjacent to a lot of cool things, but so right. is Paradise Pier. Yeah, that's true. Is there more to do at Boardwalk? Well, well there's, there's, uh, there, there's a like lot of it, shops and, and entertainment and stuff. But like hotel specific, like there's a pool. There's two. There's three pools. There's um, you know, there's like the big water slide one. Then there's quiet pools for adults only. Do you get it's to force poor it. people to give you a piggyback ride? Or like that's right, that's right. <laughs> you can go on. You can rent Surrey bikes. You can. Uh, I mean, to Eric's point earlier, you can do a nice three mile run and without leaving property, just being on the well, water. Run over to Hollywood Studios if you're inclined to. Um, then there's, you know, like the, the beaches and cream restaurant across the way, which serves the kitchen oh, wait, sink, wait, wait, which wait. is, well, but, I mean, you're going to another resort. Well, I mean, you yeah. went down the street to an Italian restaurant for God's sake. Well, but, I'm but, do but, again, right but, but wait a minute. Wait, we're talking, we're talking bubble versus not bubble. I think that, that's right. That's kind of up to the person, you know, that's in true. this case, Bev or the listener. So like. I, I know that you're a bubble person, and I don't mean it like that. <laughs> like I'm a furry? <laughs> you're a bubble. Jimmy's a bubble person. <laughs> um, I know that you're a big fan of the bubble and all that it has to to give you. I find myself crawling <laughs> in my own skin after like four days in the bubble. Um, but that's different. I'm, I'm talking like for the price that you're getting. I mean, you would still have to pay for the Surrey rides, right? Right. That's correct. Yeah. So I guess at, at the end of the day, if, you know, depending on who you're asking, right. If you're asking me, is it worth the extra, you know, for that first one, is it worth the extra 600 bucks? Probably. Um, but is it worth the extra 2000 at Christmas? Absolutely not. Right. So that's what I'm looking at right now because the cheapest the, or the most inexpensive standard room you said was 3601. 3610. I'm sorry. Numbers are hard. Close enough. 3610. (laughs) It's fine. It all still works out. But then you'd go over to the Paradise Pier site, and on Christmas in the nicer room, it's only 3696. That's a good point. That's fair. Oh. That's a good point. I don't think, and I actually didn't expect myself to vote this way. I'm going to fall on the side of Disneyland. Wow. Paradise Pier. Paradise Pier. Pier. And I was really. 
here. here. It's, <laughs> it's okay to do it. I, I think, you know, again, like we talked about before, this show never has a foregone conclusion. We always kind of have a feeling where it's going to go, but almost inevitably surprises us every time. I did not see that coming, but it makes I didn't perfect either. sense. And it does. It makes perfect sense for all the reasons you said. And hearing, even hearing myself explain this thing and hearing Eric, you know, kind of grasping at beach straws. <laughs> it, because it's just it's it's not a it's it's just a box with beds in it. it but is. to yeah. your point, that's all you need it to be. I just need and a if bed. I'm, gonna spend, I'm spending yeah. all this money to go to this place and do these things. Right. I don't need. I'm not. I'm not going to spend. You know, I, I would feel guilty spending that amount of money on a hotel right. and only spending my evenings and mornings there. Right. Yeah. I, and I that's just, a, a different lifestyle at Disneyland in particular. Right. Jimmy and that's I were talking also. about this earlier today. I am not the sort of person that that just goes and you get out of bed and you're at Disneyland all day and you go back mm-hmm. uh, at the the end of the night. I I like some downtime, but I've I've come up amongst well Disney World where okay it's really freaking hot. I'm going to go back and swim for a little while and relax, and then we'll we'll go back to the parks. That's what I'm used to is spending time at the resort and going wow, this is cool. We can go for a relaxing Surrey ride or we can take a mm-hmm. boat somewhere. Yeah, oh, you can rent those little boats. Boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, those little mouse cost. boats. Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, but I, so- I, I would imagine if, if you're like traveling with, you know, uncle so-and-so and like, hey, you love old 1920s East Coast seaside attractions and so we're going to stay here because you're going to just really enjoy it. And like, there is something there, but I don't know that it's worth the price for everybody. Well, but, and right. also I think Disney world makes it so easy to visit other resorts. You don't have to necessarily stay at this point. resort to oh, enjoy the aspects that's very true. of it. Yeah. Cause everything I, I said, had, almost every trip. Exactly. exactly. And everything <laughs> I described <laughs> is not, <laughs> Is not a hotel room. Everything I described is public area. It's aesthetic, You can just yeah. walk around and see it. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, but yeah, anyway, so- uh, Hence and, my name, you know, if you're, Budget Bev. Budget Bev, living <laughs> so, up but, to her name. Good job. Does, so can, does this mean- This means that this? the Paradise Pier is the supreme second gate adjacent deluxe wow. resort. Pier. Jimmy, <laughs> can, can the pores rent a Surrey? The pores. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is my Anybody last name is Moore, so that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the poor well, if you are planning to go to Disney World, you can. You don't have to stay in a four thousand dollar room. You can stay in Pop Century or uh, Art of Animation, like Bev did, or the, take the Skyliner. Take the Skyliner from Caribbean Beach and save yourself a couple thousand dollars. And you can do that by calling eight five six Hour Ears, much like the Chesena Chesena family who reached out. Their listeners, hi, how you doing? I'm not going to say your first name for anonymity, but uh, the Chesena family reached out. Their listeners of both shows, Spring Resort and Ears Up, oh, and they heard that we rave about concierge. So I am planning his first, very first family trip to Walt Disney World where he specifically says he wants to stay at the beach club for firework viewing. <laughs> I said, I don't think, I don't think that you know, 
that's you can walk, how that works. You can walk a decent way and see kind of the Epcot fireworks, but no, right. not, not really. But we have a planning call tomorrow where I'm going to talk him through all of his options. You know, <laughs> do, do you understand that if you stay in the beach club, you're going to spend $4,000 like you would at the boardwalk, right? Um, you know, just stuff like that, walk them through all the different options and where to stay and just the logistics. We do touring plans, we do dining plans, all this stuff. So concierge, eight, five, six, our ears. Um, Bev, thank you so much You're for welcome. doing this. I appreciate your time. It's awesome. As always, you're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for letting us regale you with absolute unnecessary details. I loved it. Great. Well, thank you. And we'd love to have you back. Uh, Eric, good luck on the other show. Ears up. Uh, Recording we have tomorrow. ears up. <laughs> oh gosh, oh, are we? good. Well, you get to see each other again. It's going to yes, be so. I tomorrow. really got to get better um, at checking my email. <laughs> <laughs> so there's ears up. Supreme Resort scraping the vault where we do to straight to video Disney sequels. It is an incredibly fun show. The last episode, uh, I released it last week. We had two Australian improvisers come on the episode and talk before because about- this this is oh. the fifth of July. Happy Fourth of July, everybody! By the way. Yes. Sorry. June, May 30th, I released an episode of Scraping the Vault <laughs> with two Australian improvisers. They were delightfully funny, and we talked about Mulan 2. Um, and yeah, get in contact with us. I'm Jimmy at earsup-podcast.com. There's Dan at earsup-podcast.com. If you want to say hi. Hi. That's Bev <laughs> at earsup-podcast.com. And Eric is ejohnson at concierge.com. Com. And I don't know um, if he's still awake, but I think Asher has his contact information. Do we have? That? Oh, is, uh, he's, oh, oh yes, Nigel. Asher did. Yeah, he he wanted to put this in. He had a lot of other comments, but I, I shoved him out of the way. If anyone wants to contact me, they can send a letter to sixty nine sixty nine Butt Street, <laughs> Wiener City, Idaho eight zero zero eight five. Oh, boobs. Asher, you scam! Eight zero zero eight five spells boobs. Spells boobs. <laughs> Oh, Asher, what the... All right. What a well, child until next Asher's time. life. Oh. Yeah. I he's know, right? Cool. Wait, wait, wait. Sleepy. Oh, he, what was that? Sorry, he, he, yeah, what did he's, you say? I'm sorry? My little sister kicked me in the face while she was sleeping. <laughs> okay. Good All right. Well, until Asher. next time, be good to each other. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> I always leave him asking what the hell happened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did we keep it under two hours? We kept under two hours of of show, I think. We started at 625, so yes, we did it. (laughs) Wow. I told you, Jimmy. I mean, 28 pages seemed like a lot, (laughs) and I didn't even (laughs) do all of it. No, you I didn't did. Cover I everything. think you summarized what you needed to summarize. Yeah. I think that one, that one, that was great. And I love, I love that after all that and all the the detail and <laughs> like well, at the end of the day, I just want a fucking bed. <laughs> of, I mean, it's fair. It's totally it is one hundred percent. And like I started saying, I was trying to summarize was that we don't ever have a foregone conclusion, but it's really interesting how even with all that. Well, I guess I already said it. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs>
It's well, awesome. Like, Thank it's, you. It's like you come to San Diego and then and do you stay at the Hotel Del Coronado because you want to see it, or do you stay at the Kings Inn on you know Hotel Circle and, and spend then just a day look at, at drive Hotel over there? You never exactly. You never stay at the Kings Inn. That's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> I live here. I don't I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, never at the Kings. What's your experience with the Kings Inn, San Diego, or Anaheim? Generally. King's Inn. Because yeah. honestly, King's Inn in Anaheim is not bad. It looks terrifying, but it there's is that the it's one a good on Ball? Uh, it's on Catella. Okay. And it's well within walking distance. I it's actually a very, very good budget pick. Good to know. Hey Eric, you should stop recording just in case there's upload. Oh yeah, time. we need to upload. Yeah. Hey Bev. What's up? My name is Asher and I'm a cool kid That's who horrible. is also real. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that makes me feel Mission. icky. Mission That's accomplished. Awesome. Just wait till he talks about peeing in a pool. <laughs> you gave me 19 sound bites. I will not use most of them. I know. So the, the deal is I make a bunch of Asher sound bites and Eric is in control of them because if it was me triggering them, you wouldn't hear me on the show at all. It would just be Asher. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, the, the the listeners enjoy Asher, and um, but you know, some we'll keep them. it to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, some of them actually do like Asher. Mm-hmm. He's very cool and he's real. He is, <laughs> and he likes purple stuff. He loves purple stuff a little bit too much. <laughs> do you remember that commercial at Bev, the Sunny Delight commercial? <laughs> do you remember that? And the kids are going through the refrigerator and like. Purple Sunny stuff, God. Sunny D. Yeah. What a cool mom! <laughs> oh yeah, I, well, I, rem- I don't remember the purple stuff, but I remember what a cool mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's just uh, okay. Punch. So, without further ado, what do you think? Do I have anything to do here? Or no, you're just here for <laughs> yeah, you're just here for eye candy. <laughs>